I keep fall as- falling asleep with my heater turned on, so I just fucking wake up in a pool of sweat and confused. That sucks. Hello and welcome. Do I really need to say hello? <laughs> you can cut the hello. This is the Long Day's Journey to Film podcast, episode number 15. Yes, um, it is. Uh, I'm Russ, here with my co-host. Andy. And our special guest. I'm Singh, right? And, uh, yeah. And we're going to talk about some, some fucking Kino up in here. Um, but uh, before we get to the Kino, um, so I figured we should, like, introduce our guests a little bit more. So, like, so, Sing, what, what are some of your, like, favorite movies? Yeah, some of my favorite movies, I'd say, the, the films we're going to talk about today, The Vanishing Possession, of course. But mm. apart from that, I would say In the Mood for Love, um, mm. Eternity and a Day, these two are, I would say, my favorite films of all time. Yeah, yeah, I love In the Mood yeah. for Love. That's great. Film. Yeah. I haven't seen the other one, uh, Eternity and a Day, but I, I need to see that. Um, uh, and you're on Letterboxd, so I'll, I'll link your Letterboxd account down below, along with our Letterboxd accounts, mine and Andy's. So if you want to follow us there, maybe... Um, Go, go go check us out. Go follow us. You know, we also have a um, podcast letterbox account. So, like, if you want to like follow and see like what movies we talk about, I I like log them as we do episodes on them. So that's cool. Um, anything else we should shout out? Um... Oh, we got the YouTube channel. Yeah, go check out the YouTube channel. There's some cool shit there that's exclusive to the YouTube channel. Um. That's about it for, like, introductions, I guess. Um, so, today we'll be talking about uh, The Vanishing from 1988, uh, along with The Vanishing Remake from 1993, and also Possession. We're going to do a, um, a little... Threesome. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to kind of do a... We're going to talk about Possession again, because, you know, last time we did, you know, uh, Andy couldn't make it on. And, um, you know... It's Kino, so mm-hmm. fuck it. Why not talk about it again? Possession Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. So starting off, uh, we got The Vanishing from 1988. It's a Dutch Dutch film. Yeah, it's a Dutch. Uh, directed by George Sluzier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, Dutch, but it's like fucking in French mostly, isn't it? Uh, yeah, because yeah, one of the main characters is French. Yeah. I think they tried to submit it to um, one of the, um, I, I don't know, they tried to submit it to one of the film festivals or something uh, in France, and, and no, no, not in France, somewhere else, as a Dutch film, and it was rejected, uh, probably to the Oscars, I think, from uh, Netherlands, and it was rejected because it had too much French in it. So they were like, okay, it's not a Dutch film. Like, please, no. But it's still a Dutch film. I mean... <laughs> yeah, but they refuse to recognize it. They're like, no. That's funny. You know, you know that's kind of yeah. like... Um, sometimes that's odd how, like, uh, like what a movie is. Like, um, uh, I don't know what's, what's the word. Anyway, something like, you know, like Enter the Void, how it's like... Uh, it's, a, it's a French film made by an Argentinian director... From that's set in Japan, that's in English. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is? I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't call that an English movie because they speak English in it, would you? Or like an American? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. so uh, the Vanishing 
from 1988. Uh, what's this about? Anyone want to give a little plot description? Uh, I can go ahead and just, just you know, simply explain it without spoiling it. Sure. So it's about a couple who are, you know, traveling in, um, in France. And the girlfriend suddenly disappears at a rest stop. And, you know, she's been gone for a very long time. And her boyfriend continues to search for her. His name is Rex. And he's just obsessed with finding out what happened to her. And this is, this is a lot of things, you know, just melting down their whole emotional connection. And he just feels so much, almost sort of guilty for, you know, basically abandoning her. And he wants to find out what happened to her. And, you know, this just culminates in, in one of the best, you know, psychological thrillers I, I've ever seen. It's almost, it's, it's a horror film without the horror elements, if that's how we can call it, if you know. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, this is my, this will be my second watch. And um, the first time I saw it was like, I don't know, maybe like six months ago, something like that. I like blind bought the Criterion Blu-ray of it. Uh, and, and one thing uh, I want to say about the Criterion Blu-ray, um, it's got a cool cover because uh, when you look at it, it just looks like it's like dots, mm. and then like the further away you get from it, uh, it looks like a there's like a face appears in it, um, which is a really cool cover. It's interesting. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I think I've seen um, the of it, but yeah, I'm trying to figure out when the first time I saw this because it wasn't long ago for me either. It was, I want to say within the last year or so. Because this is my second viewing, or was yeah, my second same. viewing. It got better for, for the second viewing, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It got definitely, I, I mean, faster, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's, a lot the, yeah. yeah that's the one thing. Is it's like, it's like, what is it? Like, uh, like 108 minutes or something? It's like an hour and 45. Yeah, like 106, I think. And yeah. like... The second time I watched it, it just flew by. And, like, you know, it's not it's not like a slow-paced film, but it's not quick-paced either. It, it's, like, something about it, just the way it's paced and, like, um, and it's, like, very, um, oh, what's the word? Um, enth- I'm not, enthralling? Is that the right word? I don't know. You're, you're very into it. And, and like, it, the way it, um, you know, builds the, like, tension of what's happening. And what's funny is, like, you know, I've seen it, for, I, I've seen it um, once before, and so it's not like I'm, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And even the first time I saw it, uh, I was spoiled for the ending, which we'll get to uh, in a bit. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's just very tense. It, it's very tense throughout with the way it uh, builds builds up uh, to the climax of the film. It, it's very, really good. Uh, very great pacing. Mm-hmm. In the, yeah. I, I won't talk too much about the remake right now, but the remake like really dragged, <laughs> and like I, I kind of had a, it, it felt like it was like over two hours. But I'll, I'll get to that when we talk about that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, another thing about the the pacing and overall like impact of the film is that the the whole film overall is pretty you know terrifying in the sense we'll get to it later but the way that we basically know everything that happened it's not like it's not a you know scene where he just reveals what happened to her like totally we know what happened to her we just don't know what specifically happened but we know that that she's gone like she's not coming back okay yeah and And we yeah and we know who's responsible for that 
Yeah, you know what's um what? I mean I guess we can kind of we can get into spoilers. You know, this is a spoiler discussion. We don't have to tiptoe around stuff too much. Um yeah, yeah so this is a spoiler warning. Um I, I think it's a great film, so I, I'd recommend go watch it if you because uh, it is a movie that I think um I I think it really benefits not being spoiled for what the ending is. Um, even though I was before I watched it, I, I, cause that's such a great scene. So, so yeah, I, I would say, uh, go watch it if you, if you haven't, uh, and skip ahead to another part of the discussion, uh, if you haven't seen it. But, um, yeah. So like one thing that's really great about it, like you were saying, how, how like, you know, uh, you know, cause the, uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, the like killer guy, uh, Raymond, I think it is. Yeah. I think Raymond. So. Um, he's like a the French guy who's like, yeah. um, a uh, chemistry teacher, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, um, you know, you see what's, what he's doing. But, like, also in the scene at the rest stop, um, when, you know, they're, they're like, uh, ah, fuck, I keep forgetting the names. Uh, Saskia and Rex, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, you know, they're talking and stuff. And, like, she goes into the, um, uh, in, into, like, the, the little rest stop area. And, and you just see the one shot of Raymond, like, getting out of his car. Yeah, mm-hmm. with like the the like sling or whatever it is on at, like on his arm, like he's injured. But it's just that one shot. But it's like that's that doesn't you know you don't really see his character until a little bit later. Like something about that is so creepy because it's like there's just that one shot of him, and, and then like you don't see him again in that scene. But do you know what I mean? Where it's like like I don't know something about that. It was like kind of ominous. I was um, like on rewatch looking to see if I could spot him in the background, but I I didn't because I like. I guess I forgot exactly the exact moment Saskia disappears. Because mm. she, like, basically disappears about the time the truck pulls around, like the fucking semi. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, that whole scene is very, like, uh, uh, I don't know, it, it's very, like, paranoia. Uh, kind of how he's, like, you know, where'd she go? And he's, like, you know, going around looking for her. It's just got a very, um, I don't know, it's very tense. You know, like the whole film after that point is tense. Uh, too. The and um, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, fuck. The way the narrative is shaped, because it's like the majority of the film is actually a flashback, technically. Yeah, it's kind of nonlinear. Because <laughs> it uh, recounts uh, Raymond and. Uh, him leading up to the abduction of Sasuke. So I don't know how, I don't know if it specifies how long it took him to get to that point, but I don't know, probably like six months or so. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing the fucking number out there. The, the rest stop, the rest stop area scene. It's also one of the best things about the movie that in the end, okay, of course, spoilers in the end, the film comes back to that same area. And that's where Rex makes the, you know, makes the most important decision. Yeah. Right? It, it's, like, it's like the Matrix, red pill, blue pill. Like, it's one option is, okay, you can find out the truth about what happened to Saskia. But you'll have to experience what happened to her. And the second one is basically, okay, like, you don't know. You will never know. So that, you know, that perpetual agony that he is in of not knowing is upsetting him so much. And that's where he makes the decision. And he, he digs up the coins that they buried while they were there last time. It, yeah. The whole film comes back to where it all started, right? 
Yeah, that's it. And, and that whole thing with like how he's like, um, you know, he just doesn't know and just he like needs to figure it out. And, he's, you know, he, he becomes obsessed with it, which is a big theme of the film is like obsession with, um, you know, um, Raymond's like obsession with um, first, like, you know, finding someone uh, to kidnap and, and kill. And mm -hmm. um, then kind of his like, you know, he's also like, uh, I'm not sure if he's really, yeah, he's kind of obsessed with um, Rex as well. You know, he he's like taunting him and stuff. Uh, and then, of course, Rex's obsession with, um, you know, trying to find, trying to find out what happened. Um, and, and, like, that's just a really, like, disturbing element of the film as well. Just, like, having someone just disappear and just have no idea, like, what happened. Like, I don't know, that's just, that's kind of uh, unsettling as it is, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, I don't want to say relatable, but, I mean, shit still happens to all this day and was probably happening thousands of years ago. Always yeah, thousands, hundreds of years ago, maybe, but yeah, the whole idea in itself is pretty upsetting, right? The, yeah, even if it hasn't happened to you, like losing someone that you love and never finding out is it's just pretty horrific in the same. And I mean, Kubrick calling it the most terrifying film he'd ever seen, I think, attests to the fact that you know, The Vanishing has its fans and it has its you know scares in the sense and it's not really a scary film at all i would say not scary it's more it's, it's more tense and you know anxiety inducing basically i would say yeah it's it's like more of a, you know it's definitely i would i mean i would call this a horror movie uh but it's way more of you know it's completely psychological horror you know there's not like um you know there, there's nothing like i mean other than thematically there's nothing like scary and there's not like um you know, it's not like gore or anything. Even like, mm -hmm. even though uh, you know, main theme of it is like abduction or abducting and killing someone. There's never like, uh, you know, there's never like graphic, nothing graphic, but it's still like so disturbing. It really is. I, I think it's a pretty disturbing film, uh, especially with the the way it ends. Um, it's um, I want to say it's interesting um, perspective wise, because to Rex, it always seems like Raymond always knows what's going to happen ahead of time. And he's like meticulously planned ahead, but Raymond only just now like figured that shit out probably within six months of him abducting Saskia in the first place. So like, I mean, and after that, because he's still figuring out how to taunt Rex after two years later down the line with her disappearance. Yeah, because he knows exactly which button exactly which buttons to push yeah no raymond as a killer is not an expert i think we've we've um known that like the, the way he's you know in one of the scenes he's just standing outside and a, a woman comes by and she says that she knows him and uh you know stuff like that she's like a teacher from his daughter's school yeah and, daughter's and she figures yeah yeah she figures it out and she's like okay like if you're looking for women go to the rest stop areas <laughs> and that that's just a really weird scene because basically she figures out what he's trying to do of course like she she doesn't know that he's trying to you know abduct and you know kill them but yeah she figures out that he's trying to do something with them so she's like, go to the rest stop area. And yeah, yeah he, he before that, you see this amateur like killer, you know, develop sort of. And then Sa Saskia is basically the first and, and the most, in a way, the most important victim around which everything surrounds the like is surrounding the entire film. Right. And yeah. Like yeah. 
and you know when he's practicing in his car with with yeah that that's mm-hmm. just a fascinating scene just going into the mind of how he thinks and for me the personally my favorite scene is when they're in the car and uh he's taking Rex with him and when he explains his thought process to Rex oh yeah right. that's the same for me too yeah and his whole um, like um his whole reason behind it is like how he um he uh let's see what is it he um this exaggerated sense of self-importance because he i mean he pretty much explains it that he's a sociopath and he knows he's a sociopath because mm-hmm. yeah, but... he oh. tells the story of how he jumped from the balcony when he was i think 12 i don't know if it was 12 or any specific age or not but uh he tells the story of the balcony jump and how most people wouldn't jump, but he did. And that's kind of how he equates the abduction of Sasuke to, if that makes well, sense. Well, also the, um, you know, uh, he was like with his family and he saw like a little girl drowning. And, and so he like jumped okay. in and saved her. And uh, then, you know, his daughter said like, oh, you're a hero. He thought, um, what is it like? Since he's capable of um, committing an act of something so good, he should also uh, commit an act of something of the worst thing he can think of, uh, which is really fucked up. <laughs> but like, <laughs> and there is a little uh, detail that I picked up uh, the second watch. Um, so they're, when they're driving, um, oh, okay. So um, let's see. Yeah, when they're driving, uh, when he's driving with Rex, uh, taking him to the to the rest stop, um, you know, to make the decision and stuff. Yeah, they get pulled over by a cop. And because uh, Raymond's not wearing a seatbelt. And he says, oh, I can't wear a seatbelt because I'm claustrophobic. And he has like a doctor's note or something. And, you know, later when you find out that the way he kills, uh, he kills both Saskia and Rex is by burying him alive in a, co- in a coffin. Uh, that makes it even more fucked up because like to him, that is the worst thing. Uh, worst thing he can think of is, is being trapped, in, you know, uh, buried alive in a coffin. Uh, since he's claustrophobic, which I think makes it even more disturbing. Uh, I, I, like, I didn't really pick that up the first time. I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was like, um, you know, it was kind of like a fake out. Like, oh, no, is did the cops, like, figure something out? You know, are they going to catch Raymond or, you know, something like that. But I don't know, just that, that little detail just makes That's it. That's a uh, very nice little movie detail you pointed out. I didn't even realize it. I definitely yeah, did a, not catch that. That's Sorry. a cool detail, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's easier to catch all these details the second time, right? The first time it's just passing by quickly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the um, first time I saw this, it, it, the first time I was kind of confused in like parts because, like, the way the narrative is set up, you're constantly it's it goes between modern day and then like before her abduction, but it never like gives you a fucking title card of like two years before or whatever. Every time it does that, yeah, I don't think I really need that though. It, it doesn't. And, uh, I mean, like the first time I watched it, I was confused, but like this time, I like already knew what was going to happen. So everything was, everything just made a lot more sense to me this time than the first time. And I can focus on different aspects of the story. Yeah, hold up. I mean, I'm just getting a pouring myself a little bit of vodka. Hold up. Playing bartender. <clears throat> <laughs> it's funny you say bartender because uh, Raymond, the actor who plays Raymond in this, I, I, I'm not even gonna fucking try to pronounce his actual fucking name. He uh, shows up as a bartender in Roman Polanski's *The Tenant*. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, um, another thing about like how Raymond's like kind of, um, you know, he is like an amateur, even though he's like obviously uh, intelligent. Um, it, he's like you know kind of clumsy with what he's doing. Um, yeah, like I really like the scenes of when he's like you know he uh, like um, inhales the chloroform and like times it to see how long it takes uh, to wake up from it, or like. Um, you know, he's like just like the scene of like him like practicing like going around the car and like you know pouring in that thing and like pretending to like you know um you know like shove it in someone's face to like knock him out. Um, it, it's like a simple scene, but it's like I don't know, it's, it's like effective. I think it's weird, just, uh, interesting, and also when um there's several uh, he's at the rest stop throughout yeah, he, the film. Uh, I was going to say the uh, screaming scene. Oh yeah, with the family. Oh yeah. And then uh, when he's picking his daughter up from school, he, like, reaches across behind her and locks the door with his fucking hand instead of the other way. And she's yeah. like, why'd you do it? And he's like, oh, it comes up with some bullshit excuse. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, haven't you heard of the accident that happened? A girl fell out and, kill, uh, like, died. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And also that... <coughs> ah, that's strong. Hold up. <clears throat> Anyway, um, like there's that that scene when he's um with his family and like the what is it? the daughter opens the drawer and there's like spiders and she screams. Then he's like, um, uh, what does he say? Something like he starts a screaming contest, basically. Yeah, pr- yeah, pretty much. And they're all screaming, like you know. Then he asks the neighbor, like, "Oh, I he- I thought I heard someone screaming. Did you hear that?" Like that's kind of uh, oh, yeah. that, that was a good scene, but also like um. There, there's like this weird thing when when he's like interacting with his family there's like a weird like coldness to it or like a, a weird i don't know like i feel like that his like interactions with the family are like a bit odd um like like when he's talking to his daughter like i thought the daughter was like i don't, I don't know is she maybe not the best actor or is it just like a, a bit off um I, I don't know did you like feel like there was something odd about like his interactions with the family it feels like he's disconnected from his family in a sense not so much like as it gives him an alibi for the Sasuke stuff, but in general, for him to keep up with this uh, sociopathic tendencies, he has to have like a cover for it all. Yeah, like there's that scene when um, you know, he, he tells Sasuke, um, you know, he says to Sasuke at the rest stop, like she, she, what is it? She comments about his uh, key ring, um, and and he says like, oh, you know, come over to my car, or I sell them, and like she's about, you know, he's like, oh, get in. And she's like, you know, kind of hesitant. And then she sees a picture of him and his family. And is like, oh, he he must be okay. And then she gets in. You know, he like shoves the thing in her face, which is a great scene. The, you know, the acting is really good. The acting's good in the whole in the whole from everyone in the whole movie, I think, except for maybe his Raymond's daughter. I thought was maybe a bit not the greatest, but I don't know. I didn't notice anything out there, but I mean, child actors generally get a free pass anyway. No, they don't. (laughs) Every time there's bad child actors, I'll point it out. Um, But yeah, there's also the part when um, he gets the uh, girl to come in his car and uh, he he, like walks, he puts a chloroform and he's going to do this whole thing. Then he sneezes and like (laughs) inhales, like puts it up to his face and inhales it. Uh, That that was kind of funny. And he tells Rex, he's like, because of that, you know, because of those like two sneezes (laughs) sneezes <laughs> a fate like uh, assigned saskia to him right not the other woman yeah yeah Yeah, that's like yeah there is like the kind of element of it like the 
fate and like um you know there's a whole thing when Sasuke at the beginning says um golden had, egg. yeah the golden egg uh how she had a dream of like um she was in a inside of a golden egg floating through space like forever and she was always alone Juice which is, is like when she was talking about that but i didn't realize that the book that this is based on is called the golden egg yeah so i was like oh that makes fucking sense yeah and you know like you know obviously there's uh you know like kind of being stuck in something and and uh, like alone is like how they they both end up in the um uh, uh co- coffins you know buried um, yeah. but then there's also kind of like how you know after her vanishing uh Rex is like you know he's kind of left like never being able to really connect with anyone because of this like you know the lack of resolution you know kind of like I don't know therefore like leaving him to be alone forever even though like you know you see he has like a relationship with someone else but like Obviously, he, he can't really get too far without him, like, you know, falling back, back on the Saskia stuff because he's just so obsessed with it. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there's a whole sense of uh, inevitability to the, the entire thing. I mean, you know that something is coming. You just don't know what's specifically, like, being buried in, inside the coffin, right? Yeah. But you know that it's coming. So there's this whole concept of, I don't know what you would call this, like almost supernatural, right? Because, I mean, how is the dream supposed to be connected with the whole thing, you know? So it almost feels a little supernatural in the world bringing everything together, like a, in perfect harmony to make it happen. And that just makes it scarier for me. I mean, when he's in the coffin and, you know, the, the lighter flickers out, yeah, it makes the shape of a golden egg. Yeah, you know, that's on like the um on the Criterion menu screen. It's it's like the that flickering uh like I didn't notice it in the movie, but then on the screen on the menu I was like, Oh yeah, that's like kind of a... you know, also there's like that last shot, you know, the last shot of the film of like the um uh the newspaper. The newspaper. Yeah. And it's like says uh, mysterious disappearance after one person, you know, uh he disappeared too. And then it like kind of uh everything disappears except for or goes to black except for the two pictures and they're like in the shape of like eggs. Uh, I thought that was like maybe a little bit cheesy, like a little bit on the nose, um, just like with it fading away. But like, yeah, yeah, that's like kind of kind of cool. But yeah, there's like this kind of um, yeah, I know what you mean. Where it's like it's almost like destined, you know, to this outcome like this. And also how um, Raymond talks about like um, kind of like free will. Like when he's he said on the on the balcony, it's like you know, no, why would why would he jump? So he thought he's just gonna like think. Or like um, he's he's gonna imagine himself jumping, and and then he did. And that's kind of like he, you know, like threw off the balance or something. I don't know. That's kind of kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's another thing I um noticed when, let's see, the when um I think it's when Raymond is um, I love that whole sequence when he's in the car with Rex, and like also when he like first um, you know, kind of approaches him and like I'm, you know, I'm the man you're looking for. And like, you know, Rex just like his uh, immediate response is just to like start beating him. And like that scene is like very realistic. You know, like he's not really like beating him up, like really hurting him, but it's like he's still like I, I don't know. It's just the way it's executed is really good. Yeah, and he's um, venting, right? He's venting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like yeah. it's yeah. That's that's so great. And like um, you know, then that whole you know is describing like you know why he did it and like kind of explaining himself to him. But also, like, you know, if Rex went to the police, he wouldn't, like, have anything to connect him to it. 
very good road trip movie. A great road trip movie. Very, very lighthearted and wholesome. But um, uh, there's that one part yeah. when he says, um, he says, oh, I could pick up prostitutes to get into my car, but that's too easy. Plus, no one cares. So it almost seems like he kind of gets off to like the damage he does to like, you know, uh, the victims, like family and friends, you know, kind of like he does to Rex. Like, you know, how he taunts him after it. It's not just the like killing uh, of someone. It's also the, um, you know, the like... Uh, uh, repercussions of it and like that that makes it even worse the way he like you know taunts uh rex he like sends him letters saying like be here at a certain time that he'll like watch from the distance yeah we we haven't talked about the diner or scene actually yet but uh diner not diner but uh cafe the yeah the cafe in the street in front of uh raymond's house yeah, yeah. And that scene was really interesting because I didn't notice it the first time I watched. But the second time, we see Raymond in the background. Yeah. We, yeah, we see Raymond, yeah. No, uh, yeah, on the balcony. And then later on, he comes down and just sits, like, the next table to rest. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and it's a really interesting. The second time I noticed it, I was like, holy shit. Right? <laughs> I noticed yeah. Rex, uh, not Rex, I noticed him the first time I watched the movie sitting down there with him, but on the rewatch is when I noticed him on the balcony. Yeah. And then he sits down and reads the newspaper, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just insane how it all plays out. Yeah. Uh, something I, I was going to say. Uh, the music, I, I've heard people complain that the music is not good in this but i thought I it was like good yeah i thought it was um i mean it didn't really stand out to me too much i mean it kind of has like a creepy kind of atmospheric in parts um but there's also like that weird part where it's kind of like upbeat and not cheerful but it is like upbeat when um rex you know uh raymond gives him the choice it's like all right either you drink this drugged coffee and see what happened you know or you kind of live with you know, never knowing. And and then, like, Rex is, you know, he's, like, first he, like, throws coffee on him, then he's, like, thinking about it, and he's, like, running around the tree. And, yeah. like, and, and, like such a great scene. It's very intense. But, like, the music is kind of upbeat, which was weird. Um, yeah, and then he, like, drinks the coffee. That's a great scene. That's so many great scenes. Also, the cinematography there is really good. Like, the way it's, like, dark, and, like, you see Raymond sitting in the car and stuff. And, um, yeah. like, drinks it. So it's, like, oh, I just, um, I just imagined myself drinking it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, then he like, you know, the, the coffin, that's like, just, it's great. Like the idea of being like buried alive in a coffin is like horrifying, <laughs> but like, yeah. bro, just use I, the five point palm exploding heart technique. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, but, yeah, you know, you know, he says it, it's like the most horrible deed that that's possible when he's explaining to Rex and he says, let me make myself clear. For me, killing is not the worst possible deed. And yeah. There you sense something sinister. Like, what is this guy trying to do? Right? Yeah. So, and, yeah. Like, and, like, that's what's so, like, you know, like, you know that Sasuke is dead. I mean, you don't, like, technically you don't know. You don't see anything. But it's, like, you know that she's dead throughout the movie. It's, like, yeah, she's gone. This guy, obviously, did something horrible. And, like, but, like, yeah, it's not until that, um, you know, the scene when he wakes up and he has the lighter and he's like screaming and stuff that you, you know, you figure out it's like, it, oh, it's just such a, 
like well executed film and like the way it plays out it's so great but like i really wish i would have been able to see it for the first time without knowing because like i heard it i think well i don't even know what it was someone said like um oh like what's the most disturbing scene in a movie and someone said oh the ending when he wakes up in the coffin the vanishing it's like fuck you that's a spoiler <laughs> and like uh but like i kind of wish i would have seen it for the first time not knowing that but still yeah. it's like it's not like that took away it's not like if you know that it's ruined you know um yeah yeah would you draw a comparison with Memories of Murder as as to how the the killer is portrayed? Because uh, you know, in Memories of Murder, of the scene. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I need to, but but, but yeah, it, it's it's the whole concept of you know, like the the way we imagine serial, the way society usually imagines, you know, serial killers and stuff, like all these guys who just you know live. Like, who are just awkward and socially, like, you know, incapable. They have zero social skills. They're just weird. They sit in their basement and cut, like, people into pieces all day. Like, that's not really not how serial killers are, like, as it's shown. Yeah, right? which, which it, is really disturbing. You know, yeah, it's not like the, um, what you think a serial killer would be like. Um, yeah, he's yeah. a family man. Yeah, he's a, he's a family man who teaches chemistry to a bunch of students. Like it's just insane. Like it's it's showing like people like of course Ted Bundy for example, right? Yeah, Ex- extremely charismatic guy. Nobody could figure out that he's been killing like people all day, right? That's and yeah, that's that's so like and it, yeah, that is how it is. You know, it's not like a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie where it's like the serial killer is like a. You know, uh, I don't know, but um, lucky person. Yeah, it, it is very um, like uh, and um, like you know, like Raymond. You know, he'll probably just continue on just living his life with his family, and <laughs> after the movie, yeah. you know, he's just like, uh, you know, the one thing I was thinking, um, where does he bury him? Is that like, because the first time I watched it, I thought he buried him in the rest stop for some reason, but I, was it at like his like. It was at his. Uh, I thought it was at the house underneath those like two bushes, like both bushes. Mm. Yeah, the, the the house he uses to go to, right, for like basically, to, uh, it's, it's like, like vacation kind of. Yeah, vacation house basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he goes there so so many times that his whole family begins to suspect that he's cheating, but yeah. then he explains to his wife, and he's like, he points to his like forehead, and he's like, listen up. It's a passion, okay? It's a passion. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay, okay, man. Good for you. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's kind of the main character of the movie. I mean, you can't say Rex is, but like, I feel like um, Raymond is a little bit more interesting. Um, and like, yeah. you do, you know, you do have uh, plenty of, he has plenty of screen time. Um, uh, and majority, like, Rex is right? kind of an asshole, you know? Oh Rex, yeah, he is. yeah. Like he's, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say like I don't like Rex, but like he's, I don't know. Like at, at the beginning, he's kind of being a dick to Sas- Saskia, um, which also I think that you know kind of plays into how he he feels really guilty. You know, like when they're in the um, driving through the tunnel and run out of gas, and he leaves her, and she <laughs> says like, um, you know, promise to like never leave me, and then you know, obviously the way the whole film plays out, um, yeah, yes. I'm not sure um, if I really have much more to say about it. Um, gonna say for your um, an example of someone who's like you wouldn't expect to be a serial killer. 
uh, it's kind of obscure, but uh, the principal, I think that's his role, in Trick or Treat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, he played the pedophile in Happiness. Um, <laughs> what's his... Dylan something. Happiness. Dylan Baker? Dylan Baker, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. He's a, he's a good actor. I like him. Um, man, Happiness is a good movie. We should talk about some Todd Solanaz films at some point. <laughs> um, I've seen a Todd Solanaz film. You need to say Happiness. Happiness is great. That's like yeah. my probably one of my favorite like dark comedies. Probably my favorite dark comedy actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that that's scene fun. with his son. That scene with his son. Oh man! Where, yeah. <laughs> his son uh, is like talking. Yeah, that 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 should. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's a, yeah. that's gotta be like, oh, such an uncomfortable scene. I mean, I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but yeah. it's like it, the way Todd Solanos makes films. It's like he makes it so there's a scene, and it's like it's the most like it, it's like so fucked up, but it's also like hilarious. <laughs> um, oh man, yeah, happiness. That's a that's a great film. I, I love happiness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's about all I got to say about uh, the vanishing. Um, yeah, it's um, it's just great film. Uh, very solid. Uh, I, I don't like. I wouldn't say it's like top tier, like ten out of ten for me. I would probably give it like a solid eight out of ten. Uh, maybe closer to a nine. I could see it going up on rewatch. Um, I would give it like a solid eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, same. Yeah, I, I I would say eight out of ten. If you know, I were to reverse back to two months ago, mm. but now I I feel like it's a ten out of ten having seen it the second mm, time. Nice. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it going up on rewatch. I I think it's a really um really great film. Every element of it I think is like yeah. uh, executed uh, like and very. Do you really do you expect a film like that to go up on rewatch though? Because for that that's the shocking thing right the second time you watch it you know what's going to happen but it makes it like so much worse you know i mean no like yeah. it makes the experience of watching it better but it makes like what's happening in the story like oh man this is so much worse like knowing where it's going yeah. uh yeah yeah it's like it doesn't seem like it'd be a film that's really rewatchable but yeah like you said it really is um yeah it's just yeah really really good i, I love these types of like really dark bleak movies so yeah it's right up my alley um so now, uh, should we get on to the remake, uh, the American remake from 1993, directed by the same guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So this is welcome to the roast of the vanishing American remake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is from 1993. Uh, also directed by George Sluzier. Is that how you say it, or is it like Slozer? Slozer? I don't know. I, I don't know, know Dutch know. names. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh man, I didn't realize there was still an ice cube in there. <clears throat> right, sorry. Um. Uh. So it's the same plot. You know, same general premise. Uh. We got um. Uh, who the fuck plays Rex in this? Is his name still Rex? I think it's Jeff. It's Kiefer Sutherland. Jeff. Um, I think they do change the names. Yeah, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland as uh, the Rex character, but now he's named Jeff. Uh, Jeff Bridges as Raymond, but now he's called Barney. I don't know why the hell they changed his name to Barney. <laughs> that, that's, that's a really weird name. Like Barney is the worst name to choose for like the, the killer. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There's even a point where someone says it, and it's like. 
oh, uh, something like, oh, Barney, do you really think his name would be Barney? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, like, fuck? who chose the names? Like, Barney, are you serious? Yeah, uh, Sandra Bullock plays um, Saskia, now named uh, Diane. Uh, so, what do we think of this movie? <laughs> it's trash. Have you seen it, Andy? Did you watch it? I okay. Honestly, I did not watch it, but I watched various scenes on YouTube and side by side comparisons. So, okay, I think I saved myself some time by not watching it because it's practically a shot for shot remake. Yeah, I mean, guy, except so... it just fouls in every aspect writing wise. Yeah. Uh, so spoilers uh, for this. Um. Yeah, basically what it is, you know, it's the same it's the same film, um, except for, you know, like, so when I watched this, um, I was like, all right, you know what, this is like, it, it's not good, but it's like, meh, this is just like a meh remake of a really great film. It, it doesn't matter. I, I just, I was like, just indifferent to it, pretty much. Like, it was just like, every scene they did, you know, they have like the rest stop scene, they, they do change around, um. The scenes of Raymond, or I guess Barney, <laughs> uh, of Barney doing the, um, uh, you know, practicing uh, or like um, preparing for his uh, the kill. They have that at the very beginning, uh, instead of at the, um, it, like in the middle, kind of, uh, which I think kind of takes away from it. Like it was supposed to be like, oh, it's I feel like it was supposed to kind of make it a uh, more tense, like ominous, like all right, so what's gonna happen? Because he has the scene where you're like you know, talks to his wife, and, like, for some reason, it's really awkward here. The wife is just, like, they're walking in, and she's like, are you having an affair? So just, like, out of nowhere. <laughs> it was, like, really, uh-huh. like, weirdly executed. And, like, you know, he has his kind of the, uh, yeah, like, it's that same thing, but it's, like, I feel like that was supposed to make it more ominous of, like, what's to come, but I feel like that one shot of Raymond in the original film, just, like, getting out of his car at the rest stop, then you don't see him, you know, until later. I feel like that was way more ominous than this, but, um, anyway... You know, there's like other than that, there's not a lot of changes. They do have a, um, they just have the same scenes, but I feel like they're executed, um, like a, they're a little bit, uh, what the fuck? What? It's, not, it's not incompetent. Like it's fine, but it's just like it's not. Um, it's just like the same scenes, except they're done like slightly worse. You know, it's like a slightly inferior version of the original. But like, it's not like horrible. You know, like Keith or Sutherland is like fine in it. Sandra Bullock's fine in it. Uh, Jeff Bridges is, he's probably my favorite part of the movie, but, like, he has this really weird accent that just, like, kind of ruins it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, what is it? Is it supposed to be French? Or is it supposed to be, like, German? Or, like... I find it strangely hard to see Jeff Bridges in this role, even though I have seen him as a villain before, and I know he can play a villain well. Yeah. I just, like, I... it just doesn't connect in my mind. He's... I wouldn't have guessed at Jeff Bridges if I was fucking in charge. He's he's like he's fine in it. I mean, other than the accent, which really threw it, threw it off. Um, <laughs> he's like good, but also they made his character um, a little bit. They made him kind of like a clumsy idiot, or like he's like kind of incompetent in a way. Uh, which, mm-hmm. like in the original, you know, he's obviously a like an amateur. You know, he's never done this before, so it's like you know you have the scenes where he's like checking his pulse and it's going way up after he tries to like abduct someone or whatever but like in this it's like he's kind of an idiot <laughs> which i think is like stupid um stereotyping um it's like the director stereotyped american audiences and thought we were dumber so uh, yeah obviously i mean history. considering the ending but um <laughs> anyway so like what i was watching is that 
watching this, um, I was like, oh, all right, you know what? It's just like an inferior version of the original. That's all. I was thinking like, all right, I'll give it like a four out of 10 or even a five out of 10. Cause it's not, not the worst thing ever. You know, like it's just a different version of the film for American audiences. It's like meh. But then the fucking ending happened. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so they change it. Um, should we just get right to this? I mean, I have yeah. more stuff to say about the rest of the film, but so basically they have the entire film go up to the point where, um, Rex or whatever the fuck his name is in this, Jeff, um, you know, he's in the coffin and he's like, you know, screaming and like, but then it's like, I saw it when I was watching. It's like, wait, there's like 20 minutes left. (laughs) 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 And then like, okay. So they had this whole other subplot with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rita, I think it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, um, in the original film, um, Rex also, he has like a, he meets someone else, but like you never see him meet her. And, like, it's just, she's with him when he's, like, going to the cafe and stuff. Um, and, like, it is, you know, showing that he did, like, have a new relationship with someone. Um, but but in this, it's like you see it after uh, Jeff, you know, after, um, uh, fuck, I want to say Sasuke, but, yeah, whatever, I'll just call Sasuke, who gives a fuck. Um, <laughs> after she disappears at the rest stop, he's, like, he goes to, like, a diner, and he's, like, real tired, and then, like, she, like, knows him from high school, and she says, like, oh, you can sleep in the back, and it's, like, already starting their relationship, but it's, like, directly after, like, I think her name's Diane, this, after Diane disappeared, it's, like, what? Like, really? Like, I feel like that wouldn't, I feel like that's not how it would have played out in the original, because of, like, how upset he was with it, but it's, like, they're already, like, kind of starting a relationship directly, like, I don't know, like, six hours after Diane disappeared, like, Okay. <laughs> the, the, um, that's just heartless, man. I don't know how they're depicting that. Yeah. Like, how would you be able to do that as as a person who's who we're supposed to em- like empathize with, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> like come their on. barometer of em- empathy is broken, obviously. Yeah, and like um, so her character uh, she plays way more of a role in this film uh, than in the original. In the original, she was just kind of there. She was like, "All right, we're gonna go to the place." Um, uh, what is it? They go to like in the original. They go to where I forget where it is, but where they were traveling at the beginning when they have like the bikes on top of the car and stuff. Oh yeah. You know they go out there and like um you know when they're there, Rex is like he's running towards it. And, like you see the car with the bikes, but like obviously it's not really there. He's just imagining it. Like that's when he really starts to like lose it. Yeah. Um, they like go and there. He has and the same like, dream, right? He has the same dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and he's like screaming about like the egg or whatever. And, um, yeah, and that's really great. Like, it's a good scene, but like in this, she's like, it shows more of their relationship. And like, he's like, he's like lying to her saying that he's like joined, what is it? Um, some kind of like military thing. And so like on weekends or, or like on weekdays, he like goes out and really he's just like searching for Diane. Um, but like there, there's just all the stuff with them. Um, but like, I don't know. It was like, eh, okay. It's a little bit different from the original. At least it was that. Um, but then at the end, it's like she, like, kind of figures out that he's gone with Barney <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, like, you know, whatever. And so she, like, goes out and, like, saves him. Um, she, like, <laughs> tricks Barney into saying, like, oh, I, 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 like, took your daughter. And so you have to drink the coffee and then you'll I'll do exactly what I did to her, which is so stupid. Like, that character of Barney, he wouldn't do that after he's doing that exact thing to someone else. Yeah. So it's like, it just makes him more of an idiot, um, okay. which is stupid. And then, like, I don't know, she, like, digs up Jeff, and then, like, um, 
Barney comes. I <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just I kidding. <laughs> saying Barney is just throwing me off. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's sorry, the worst um, possible name. Worst possible <laughs> name ever. <laughs> yeah, Barney like comes and like they're like rolling around and he's like fighting her and there's like action and it's like you know someone's like someone has a gun and it's it's so much unlike the original. It's so stupid and like then like Jeff like grabs a shovel and shoves it into his face and there's kind of like a gore kill. It's like really, like I, seriously, you you're the guy who made the original Vanishing, and then you're remaking it, and you're making it this generic. And then there's a happy ending. That's like it's happy ending. They're like sitting at the um, sitting in a restaurant, and something about like he 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 was like making a book or something like a children's book. Uh, Jeff was. It's like oh my book got published because like earlier he got rejected. It's like my book got published, and they're happy. And then someone comes up with coffee, and they're like. No, and they say to you, no, we don't drink coffee, and then it ends. Because, you know, what the whole that? coffee thing. It's like, what the fuck? The, like, that what? Is... It's, like, it's like a giant fuck you to the original. <laughs> it's so stupid. And, like, you know, the original, it works so great because of the ending, I think. You know, like, if that's how the original ended, I think it would just probably be like, like, eh, it's fine. You know, it's okay. Like, the, the original, the ending makes it. That is, like, that's what makes the film. And so in the, in the remake, it's like, everything that made it good is just lost. And, like, you know, you could say, okay, this isn't The Vanishing. This is just, uh, it's a different interpretation of the story with, um, you know, a, a different, you know, the same characters. In the... But that's so stupid, because it's like the, orig- the guy who made the original made it. So it's like nothing about what made it good is there. It's just like I, I, it's like up until that point, like I said, I, like I was just kind of indifferent to it. But like that ending, I just, I fucking hated it. It just pissed me off. Like I, I don't really get pissed off at movies often. But just, man, I just fuck. It just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going out and on. Does anyone have have anything to say about this? Uh, <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> this movie, it's so the bad. Movie sounds like big doo doo. Yeah, I would like. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. I'm. I'm gonna pour myself some more vodka here. Yeah. Russ, hear that. Russ. Russ isn't gonna sleep for days because of that ending. It's, <laughs> it was. It's, yo, that ending's gonna haunt you more than the actual ending of the the original. It was, I just. I can't believe. I can't believe the guy who made the original made this. I mean, obviously, he must have just made this. You know, if he just remade the original, except for it was slightly worse and it was Americanized. You know. It was a bit more generic, but it had the same ending. It would be like, okay, he just wanted to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. But he made it, but he fucked it up so bad. It's like, obviously, they're probably like, you know, the ending's too bleak. You need to change it for all the stupid Americans who want a happy ending. And it's like, yeah. but that defeats the purpose of the story. You know, without that, it's just a generic, like, thriller. It's just a crime yeah. thriller, which is like, yeah, you know, there's a, made some interesting elements here and there, but it's just like, ah, uh, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It just pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really... It just like, also, like, kills the whole point, right? The, the also, whole, like, yeah. after she, like, dig, you know, she digs him up and, and saves him, then it's like, the, there's no mention of whatever, you know, Diane, you know, that's just, like, forgotten about. It's like, okay, <laughs> I guess fuck her. Because, <laughs> like, in the original, I think a main, I think something that was really interesting was how, you know, he couldn't really form a, a new good relationship um, yeah. because of the whole thing. You know, like, his relationship, it didn't work out because he was so obsessed with Saskia still. 
And I thought that was a really good element of the movie. But in this, it's like, no, it's fine. He gets his book published and they don't drink coffee. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny oh that they God. don't drink coffee because of the, <laughs> you know, the funny, you know, the, they had to drink poison coffee or the drugged coffee. It's, it's so stupid. That's so stupid. disgusting, man. man. That's disgusting. <laughs> like, you know, I, you know, people say it's like, oh, it's, it, it's just a different version of it. But like, yeah, it is a different version of it, but it has nothing that makes it good. And it's made by the same fucking guy. Like, imagine if Michael Haneke or Michelle Haneke, however you say it, imagine if Funny Games US remake had a happy ending. <laughs> um, oh, man. Fuck. It's just yeah. so bad. It's so bad. This is why I fucking hate remakes. It's this type of shit. Like, you know, if they would have, like, changed it so, like, the story it had a different meaning or it was going in a different direction, like, something like, say... Uh, Luca Guadagnino's uh, Suspiria. You know, that's the film mm. where it's like, it's a remake, but, you know, it's going for something entirely different than the original. Like, that's fine. You know, I don't I don't think remakes are inherently bad, but it's this type of shit that just pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even talk about eggs in it. They don't even bring up the golden eggs. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the best part of the story. I mean, the, the whole egg-like thing. The yeah. dreamlike quality to it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean. Just can't believe that. Also, one of the best things about the original sending is is how it shows the character of Rex basically, you know, go through all the stages of like despair and then uh, total like you know, when he's buried alive, and he screams Saskia's name, right? Yeah. And then he's he's in total totally despondent he's crying out loud he's he wants to be rescued and then he starts laughing yeah <laughs> and that that for me is it's it's a brilliant like he basically realizes that you know there nothing can be done anymore so he just starts laughing at it, the absurdity of the situation yeah right just accepting you know no, his fate. You know, fuck that. You know, I, I don't like that stupid shit. I like it seeing Jeff Bridges get a fucking shovel to the head. That's what's cool. Oh my god. That, that, that's like that's the happy. You know, you know, you yeah, don't, That's the American like <laughs> remake type, like you know, Hollywood. Fucking Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Kill. <laughs> that's like that's like Hollywood Bollywood stuff. You know, it's uh, gotta yeah. gotta please the audience. Can't can't let the can't let the hero die. You know, otherwise yeah. everybody would be pissed. Like it won't sell. Hey, come yeah. on, dude. It's you like, gotta be kidding me. Yeah, it's... Oh, man. Also, there's a... There's, <laughs> sorry, I'm, like, a little bit drunk at the moment. So, like, sorry if I keep laughing. <laughs> uh, but, um... I, I've been drinking vodka for the past, like, since we started recording. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, there's a part where uh, Rita is trying to get into... <laughs> 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 she's trying to get into Jeff's computer she doesn't know what the password is uh, so she rearranges the letter letters in uh, Diane Shavers you know the Sasuke character she she rearranges the letters to make the word R vanished <laughs> <laughs> what are you fucking what? kidding me is R vanished like what okay seriously you made her name spell out like something vanished <laughs> It was like a moment. It was like oh that. What are we? Some kind of Suicide Squad? It was like a moment like yeah. that. So stupid. Yeah. Uh, Such an immature film in every single aspect. Yeah. And like, yeah. if this just existed, like, if the original didn't exist, if this just existed, it was just a '90s crime thriller with Jeff Bridges with a weird accent. It would be like, okay, you know, it's just 
it's just something, you know, like I, I don't, yeah. I, I think if I watched it and, and like the original didn't exist, I would just be like, you know, it's whatever, you know, it's like a okay thriller, mm-hmm. but like having the original there and having it be the same director, it's just makes it so much worse for me. I just, I can't separate it. You know, like you can't say, oh, it's a different film, but it's like, yeah, yeah. it's a different film, but it has nothing that makes the story good. It's just, it, yeah, I just, uh, um, uh, let's, let's see. Um, uh, what, what else? I have a bunch of notes. I, I just took down so many notes. Half of them are, half of them are just saying stuff like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, it's like, um, yeah, like, like I said before, um, all the other parts of the movie that I, um, that are just like the same, basically shot for shot remake, kind of like the, um, uh, the rest stop scene. Um, for some reason it's like quicker, at least it felt quicker. Uh, like the original, you know, that's, it, it's not a super long scene, but it's like, it kind of goes on and you really feel like the paranoia Rex is feeling in there. But in this one, it just, it just kind of happens. And like, it uh-huh. didn't have that same, like, um, the same, uh, feeling to it. Um, and like the cinematography in it is pretty kind of dull. It's just like early nineties crime thriller cinematography. Um, especially compared to the original, which has some really, uh, really great moments, I think. Um, I don't know. There's like one cool shot of a fly in chemicals. I, I wrote that down. I guess. Uh, oh, the dialogue is like kind of bad. It's like kind of on the nose. Like there's a part where Rita says um, to Jeff, "Like I'm your last chance of being happy." You know, like you know, <laughs> just like stuff like that. It's just like I don't know. It's, it's Americanized. It's Americanized for sure. Um, which sucks. It's like you know, there's good American films. You know, not every American film is just this type of garbage. Um, it also feels like it drags on. Like, it felt like it, like, even though it's like, I think it's like maybe like two or three minutes longer than the original, it's like, it just kind of drags on and on. And like, I don't know, I was just bored with it. Um, oh, one thing I, I made a note of the makeup, the like effects makeup, uh, is, is like okay. Like, when Barney gets beat up, <laughs> Barney, uh, when he gets like beat up, um, Actually, that scene, you know, I pointed out in the original how um, that scene, it feels very realistic. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, you see him beating him up, but it's like he's not like, I don't know, he's not like really beating him up. He's just kind of beating him up, but it's not like he's not really hurting him. And this is just just like you see him like he like punches him and like blood comes out of his nose and like kicks him down the staircase. Oh, my God. And it's like his face is like all beat up and bruised. But like the makeup on his face is like it's it's pretty good. I don't know. That's like the one technical element. The actor of the daughter is still bad. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't have much more to, to say about it. Does anyone else have anything to say about it? I know Andy, you haven't seen it, but like, um, no, <laughs> obviously not. Hmm. Yeah, I would. Um, I want to say like, why was this made? But like, obviously, it's just you know they just wanted to make money. Um, yeah. I mean, I if he really... was poor, right? The, mm. uh, the Vanishing didn't earn much money. The original, mm. so I mean, yeah, it's it's more like this bomb too, uh, though, didn't it? it? But yeah, both of them bombed. <laughs> so the man, the man's left in poverty. Okay, and you know, yeah, you know the cool thing. I was I was watching the interview that Criterion did with uh, George Sluzier, and. He talked about how he made The Vanishing and it wasn't accepted anywhere. And mm. then it was the Sydney Film Festival and another film couldn't make it. The director couldn't send the film on time. 
So this one of the you know one of the main people at the Sydney Film Festival was a friend of Sluzier, and he called him and he said, "Wait, didn't you make a film? Can you just you know it was meant to be as a substitute for the main film that couldn't be played." Oh man. And this, I think, won the won the best film prize at the Sydney Film Festival. The mm. the I think the the audience prize or something at least. It was yeah, it was really loved at the festival. Everybody was like, "Holy shit, this is really good." Yeah, and obviously, like you know, Kubrick, yeah. you know, he he said it's the scariest film he's seen. Yeah, um, he said he caught he watched um the vanishing at least ten times. Hmm. I wonder what he thought of the remake, if he saw it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm probably guessing he might have seen the remake. Who knows? I'm pretty sure he Actually, I don't know. Uh, what if he didn't want to ruin, you know? I think this film ruins the original. The original still exists. I mean, I do have maybe a slightly less more or slightly less uh, respect for uh, George Sluzy after <laughs> making this, but like I, I, I don't really know. I mean, who knows? I don't really know the full story behind it. You know, maybe there's like a lot of studio interference or some shit. Uh, I really don't know. Um, yeah. I don't even know what George uh, Sluzy has said about this film. I, I didn't really mm-hmm. look into it too much. Uh, I just know what the end product was. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I um, I don't give this rating. Uh, lightly, I, I save it for stuff I really hate. Uh, but yeah, I would give this film a one out of ten. I really would. I like, like I said before, if it, if the original didn't exist, it would be like I don't know, like a four out of ten maybe. But yeah, this is just uh, I just I, I really hated this. Um, it, like after I watched it, I was like legitimate, <laughs> legitimately just like kind of sitting there for like five minutes in silence, thinking like what? <laughs> like you know the other. Only other times this happened to me is after I watched like a mind blowing film, like I don't know, like Workmeister Harmonies or like I don't know, uh, Satan Tango or I don't know why I just brought you Bill Tar films, but like something that's just like this is like amazing, this is the best thing ever. But like after this, I was just like, what? Like really? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's just one of the worst like bastardizations of a film I've seen, and like so that. That's one thing t- worst and best films both share. Yeah. After the finish, you go there sitting. What? What happened? Yeah, like I, I saw a good quote from a film critic. Uh, I forget who it was, but it's the original is about the banality of evil, and the remake is about the evil of banality. Oh, oh Mark, <laughs> Mark, um, Kermody, is that how you pronounce? Yeah. Oh, uh, was that was that him who said it? Oh yeah, d- sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I, I saw a thing. It was like uh, Siskel and Ebert. And they both like hated it as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not good. That's that's for sure. Um, uh, you know, I don't get pissed off by films often. The last time I was pissed off by a film was the film Cosmos by Andrew Solowski. You know what? Another film uh, from Andrew Solowski. See, see my little uh, my little smooth segue there. Yeah. <laughs> Is a uh, uh, possession. Uh, from 1981 um an absolute masterpiece <laughs> yes uh My we decided favorite to talk horror about, film. so we decided to talk about this again because um you know last time i talked about it in october um you know andy couldn't make it and then andy you know you watched after um uh, like a couple weeks after that episode and you really love it and you have some thoughts and uh sing you know i know you um you, you really love this film. You want want to come on and do an episode about it. So, you know, fuck it. Might as well throw it in, you know. 
Um, I, I might not, I have to admit, I, I did not rewatch it for this. I just, I didn't have time. And uh, I might not have uh, a lot of things to say because I really said a lot of what I was thinking about it in the last episode. Uh, so if I'm not maybe carrying the conversation here, it's just because, um, you know. So, Possession from 1981. What do you guys think? <laughs> this is a movie film. Yes, it is a, it is a movie film. <laughs> Got the wonderful Sam Neill in it. Always a pleasure to see. And uh, is uh, fucking her name? Isabella Johnny? Yeah, Isabella Johnny. Can't remember her first name for some fucking reason. Um, am I gonna be the only one talking about the movie? <laughs> okay, so, so um, first off, what is it about? Right, we we gotta, yeah. you know. <laughs> Sam Neill gets cooked by an octopus. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, and yes, this film is uh, about Sam Neill. He uh, comes home from doing some mission for some dudes, whatever. And uh, his wife, it's his wife, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ends up leaving him. Uh, as soon as he like pretty much gets back from his little mission as a spy, mm. and he's just absolutely torn up about this, they get into arguments, and then he starts following her around the city. And uh, as he's following her around the city, he begins to suspect there's something more at play there. Yes, and that's just the general just the movie, pretty much. And what's that play is a gigantic 10 feet alien like style octopus with tentacles who sleeps with her. her yeah. Who, who dishes out mad dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much better than Sam Neill, apparently. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's a theme in the movie that like Sam Neill can't, like, can't fuck or like he, he's not good at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does such an excellent job of pulling you in through like how do I say this lens of a toxic relationship pretty mm. much because you yes. picture that their relationship is pretty fucking toxic I mean obviously they kind of just throwing punches at each other in some points yeah and self-harm whatnot Oh, uh, spoilers for possession. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Mm. Also, feel like the whole camera work. I mean, yeah, I I know a person who just you know hits the camera work and he thinks it's wobbly and stuff. But and I get that. Okay, sure. It's it's up to you if you like that type of camera work or not. Mm. But I feel like some of the shots are just so good. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. Is I, I mean, the, you know the, the scene where she's like, she's almost in tears and she's, you know, breathing heavily and suddenly she stops and just stares at the camera and smiles. Yeah. I think that's a phenomenal piece of acting and, you know, just, just, you know. I think that, that's like the fucking moment. And that happens like in the first quarter of the film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the moment I realized I was in for something special. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the acting is, is just... And the way the camera captures everything throughout is just brilliant, I, I feel like. And, yeah. But, I mean, um, it pulls you in with the story about the toxic relationship, and then all of a sudden it throws this fucking alien... I don't want to say paranormal, uh, supernatural, I guess would work, mm-hmm. aspect at you out of nowhere. But it never, like, tells you what it is until the last, like, quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's not like, it's not like it's they super explain it or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, nothing that, yeah. yeah. It's just this fucking weird you... tentacle thing. This is, like, the perfect <laughs> love of the movie, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I have people say that this is, like, cosmic yeah. horror. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that because I'm not sure how much of it is, um, um, you know, metaphorical or like I kind of talked about this last time I talked about it, but, um, you know, metaphorical or like if it's um, because I don't really think that I don't know. What what, what are your guys interpretation of like uh, the the being, you know, the octopus uh, alien thing? Being um, I'm not sure if I like have a fucking like metal huge like. Basically, like, every scene with the, like, monster, let's just call it a fucking monster or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's several scenes throughout where these people are losing their minds whenever they fucking witness this thing. Yeah. And that's, like, the epitome of kind of cosmic Lovecraftian type horror. Hmm. Is something that's so unknown and so terrifying beyond your wildest imagination you can't fucking fathom it and you just lose your mind yeah and also like the ending how it's like very uh kind of apocalyptic feeling yeah the yeah. very shot of the film is very apocalyptic a ap- little apocalyptic and uh it really just sells it sells it um sells the whole cosmic horror aspect in my opinion yeah. I mean, one more thing that, you know, regarding the creature, of course, I would like to say that it's metaphorical completely, but I just feel like it, it. the movie is so weird that it doesn't allow you to think it's completely metaphorical. Because if it's totally metaphorical, how does every person see the creature? Yeah. Like, every guy, like all those detectives, they step inside and they see and they're horrified by it. And even, even what, what's the guy's name? I don't Heinrich. remember the... Heinrich, yeah. He's like totally in shock and disbelief at seeing the creature. So, if it's metaphorical and if it's just inside, I don't know, a, a Johnny's character's head, how are they able to see it and react in such a way? Right? Yeah, you know what? That's what I think is so brilliant about this film. Because, like, you can see it as a, um, you know, in, entirely metaphorical, or you can see it... Um, I kind of talked about it last time, but, like, you can see it as a, um, you know, it, it is there. It's just physically, uh, you know, it's like the embodiment of the Antichrist. I've heard that theory before. Um, something like that. Or like, yeah, or just like, oh, the two main characters are going insane. But like, yeah, how do they, you know, how do the other characters interact with it? And how does that all play together? And like, that's what I think is so brilliant about the film is how it, it combines like metaphorical and like what's actually happening in it. And it just makes such an insane film. Like, it's just, 
I, I don't know. It's like there's so much more to it than just like, oh, it's that weird movie. But like, man, there's just I don't know. It, it, it's really uh, really brilliant. I think the way it, it plays out and how it's uh, how it's executed with everything, different uh, elements of it. I mean, this just suddenly came to me, but I guess you could also argue the title of the film, Possession, could be taken in terms of Sam Neill feels like uh, his wife is his possession, sort of. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah. And he's just obsessed with her, and go on. Oh, sorry. I wasn't really saying anything. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, that's that's just what I wanted to say. And also, there's like you know how they want like possession of a what was it Bob the the child? Oh yeah. And also how like yeah. you know Isabel Johnny, it seems like she's like possessed by something. And also how um you know what is it East and West Virginia, uh, Berlin? They like kind of want um it's like they want possession of each other or like you know how yeah. the division. Uh, it's definitely a very interesting title. Um. You know, that's another thing, uh, a theory I saw, um, is how it's kind of like, um, maybe it's a metaphor for like how the, um, you know, family structure, uh, that Mark is trying to keep together is kind of a metaphor for like Germany, you know, like maybe like maintaining order, uh, even if that's not what's best for everyone, you know, with the, you know, cause there is like a political side of the film with the Berlin wall and the, you know, uh, Mark's like a, it's like a spy, it's like during the cold war. Um, but I don't know. Also, there's there's another interesting interpretation of this because you know there's the scene where she's in the church and she's just looking at the statue of Jesus and just you know whimpering like it's a really yeah. weird scene. She's just scene. like letting out like cries of pain in a way. Yeah, it's and like it's yeah, like increasingly louder. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and one of the interpretations of this whole thing was that the the film is is almost an attack i don't know not an attack maybe yeah almost a, a depiction of m- like misogyny and religion on like mm. on the feminine you know perspective yeah. because the whole thing like uh, you can see mark in that way like sam neil's character he definitely the yes. way the way he holds his kid the way he it's it's almost like religion and you know males trying to possess everything and yeah. that and isabel ajani's is like the voice of like radical feminism which i mean you can you can connect to that era i mean 1970s 1980s is almost the rise of like the new wave of feminism right so yeah. it's it's weird the context of the film and so many interpretations. You could just interpret it as as a violent ba- breakup story, <laughs> yeah. if you want to go yeah. like simple, right? And then you can interpret it as as a tale of I don't know attack on uh, like misogyny and gender roles, and then a, a representation of religious themes, which is quite prevalent. And just a question for both of you: What do you guys make of that subway scene? And Sister Faith and stuff. Oh, Sister Faith and Sister Chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I see that as... Um, I haven't fully developed like what my interpretation of the film as a whole means. Uh, but I, I see that as like a very... I see it as a, a pivotal moment of like a changing point in uh, Isabella Giant's character. Uh, fuck, what's your name in this? Uh... Anna. 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 Yeah, I, I see it as like a pivotal moment of her, um, of her change towards, um, 
kind of this like um i don't know what, how to how to say it like um it's like kind of a freedom uh from like mark and also kind of heinrich um but also like you know um this like new fuck i don't know i don't know what the hell i'm saying <laughs> andy what do you think of the subway scene cuz like i love that scene but like i'm not quite sure what it means it's just like so visceral but um yeah i'm not andy what do you think of it <clears throat> it's Oof. How do I fucking address this scene? It's just so such a pivotal scene, and it's it's insane. I never like expected to see anything like that. I didn't know where it was coming. I mean, I knew like there was a reputation of the film and the subway scene, so I knew there was something there, but I didn't know it was that. Yeah. And I'm not sure as far as like metaphorical interpretations or thematical elements to that scene exactly. I just kind of felt like, how do I word this? Like, fuck. Yeah, you know, um, like, um, uh, sorry, but uh, where you, uh, I interrupted. Did I interrupt? Uh, no, you can go on. Oh, um, so, like, I see, um, a stylistic choice of, uh, Solowski's. Wait, or is it Solowski, Solowski? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, to make, uh, characters in his films, because I have seen a few of his other films, and they also do this, to kind of, um, uh, externalize their emotions in a very, like, uh, erratic way, uh, which you can see throughout the film, you know? Um, and I feel like, that scene is like uh, the like, highest point of like emotion and like um, just changing or something for for Anna. Um, yeah, and, like, she's externalizing in this very uh, violent like this like violent fit, uh, and also it's like she kind of says like she like miscarried uh, Sister Faith. You know, she has that whole like monologue, which is great, great scene. Um, and like it, it doesn't. I'm not quite sure what she's talking about there. It's like she she like. Um, it's like she rejected like her faith and then she has to like protect it like a baby. And then she ends up like, it wants to turn into an octopus. She fucks it. I don't know what that, what the hell that's supposed to mean. <laughs> uh, and that kind of becomes like, you know, the like doppelganger of Mark, uh, which is another element of the film. I think is very interesting. Um, by the way, but um, yeah. Um, also something I was going to say uh, about the, um, you're saying about like gender roles and um, feminism and like uh, misogyny. Um, you know, I, I've seen people view this film in, in several different ways. It's like the one way you can see it as um, being very, like uh, like you said, kind of radically uh, feminist uh, in the way of, it's like she's like, you know, um, with Mark uh, kind of being the, um, I'm not sure if villain's the right word, but like, you know, he is like kind of, you know, he, he wants to possess her even if, it's not even clear if he like, um, you know, if he even really loves her anymore, if he just wants to like keep the family together. And like, you know, the whole uh, religious side of the film as well. But then people also say, like, it's misogynistic because it's like she's her, like, getting farther away from the family structure is, um, like, evil. She's, like, giving in to, like, ultimate evil. Uh, and, like, you know, like, kind of like Mark is right. But, like, I I'm really not sure how I feel about it. But it's like, I, I know what you mean. It's a very interesting element of the film. Um, but, yeah, uh, so how do you feel about the uh, subway scene? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the subway scene is, is more. I. I think 
I, I don't know much about real okay, I I know some elements about religion and you know, religious texts. But I don't know that much about religion to know if it's actually referring to something that's, you know, in one of the religious texts. Maybe there's there's some event of a miscarriage in the Bible or somewhere. I, I have no idea. But mm, I, I, I feel like, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I feel like the whole the whole miscarriage scene, I feel like it's and she says it. I feel like it's. The maybe it's also another maybe it's just. I don't know. This is a really shallow take. I, I have no idea. Maybe it's just an expression of the total abandonment of religion. Mm. Right? Like, as you said, because, you know, sister faith. I have no idea what sister chance means. Like, zero idea. But yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, uh, miscarried sister faith. And yeah, it just feels like. Because, I, I don't know, miscarriage is also referring. Because religion has an important, like, you know. Pregnancy and child like bearing has an important place in religion. Yeah, and I feel like maybe that that's somehow connected to the whole concept of you know defying religion, or maybe it's just something else. I I feel like it has because that scene just happens after the church scene, which yeah. makes it even more you know somehow connected to religion. So it's just yeah that that's what I feel like, and that that scene is just insane i i i remember reading about and zulowski said that they filmed it at 5 a.m in the morning when the subway was closed oh, and uh, and it was extremely cold in the subway cold. i mean just yeah so and they filmed it this the scene twice she filmed it twice oh man and that was really rough for apparently and she was completely you know worn out and sam neil said that this is the most extreme film that he's ever done and yeah at least that just, I've seen yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and just think about this okay sam neil in the film doesn't even have to do extreme stuff it's a johnny's character oh yeah yeah for sure like uh, sam neil's not doing the extreme acting she is so just imagine that the whole like burden that she has to you know take to perform every single scene, and her character is totally off the rails. It's yeah. just is you know the Dark Knight's Joker made yeah. ten, ten times more insane. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I feel like it's that. I um have some thoughts that I just know. Am uh, what's the word? Uh, materializing. <laughs> okay, so the subway scene—it's almost as if it's at that point where it's finally manifesting inside of her that it's like fully taken over, in a way. Because mm-hmm. mm. yeah. I almost interpreted it as uh, she was having a fucking orgasm in the subway. Yeah, because like I know Solowski, like he said, he um he like directed her to fuck the air. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's mud. There's white viscous fluid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some interpretation of what that is. But um, there's that, and um, it throws me back to the end of the film when Bob's in the tub and with the doppelganger of um what's her fucking name again? Alan. 
Or where, yeah, the doppelganger oh. is Helen, but... Anna? It's the Anna's doppelganger. And he's telling her, don't open the door. Open it. Don't door, open it. It's almost as if, like, he's warning her not to let it in. And once she opens the door, she lets, like, I guess, evil in. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. And that's why you, like, hear fucking sirens and everything going off. It's almost as if she gave birth. Yeah, that is, um, that is, like, also, uh, like, people have said it's, like, it's, like, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that thing is, like, God. Uh, so, like, oh, it's, like, the devil. It's, like, ultimate evil. But it's, like, you know, and then, like, the Antichrist, it's, like, you know, it's, like, a part God, part devil. Uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Sam I was Neil's say character. About the... Sam Neil's oh. character makes a reference almost. Sorry to interrupt. But, oh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, there's a. Oh, yeah. You know, like, what if you saw God a second ago and yeah, didn't exactly. realize it? Something exactly. divine. Yeah. 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 He says it to Heinrich. He, yeah. And Heinrich's like, okay, Anna's out of her mind. She's, I mean, you can interpret it in two ways. You can interpret it as just Sam Neill mocking Heinrich because that's what he wants. He hates yeah. Heinrich, right? So he's yeah. just mocking and making fun of his things because, you know, Heinrich is a guy who's interested in God and dope and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, so yeah, maybe maybe it's just it's just weird because the the film I I feel like while making the film like Zulawski was like okay, let's see all the interpretations possible, and let's hint at every single one of them, and make nothing clear. <laughs> right. How fucking interpretations can we fit in this bad boy right here? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's just a testament to how fucking insane this film is quality wise there's so much to address and so many different ways you can interpret it i don't think there's i mean there's probably zulaski's or the director's own idea of what this story um but who knows what the hell is going on in his mind (laughs) but i mean i think any artist would agree that a lot of their own art is up to interpretation. Yeah. Anyone who says like they have the meaning of what their art means is kind of a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like who says like this is the definitive answer. I mean, that's fucking stupid. But um something I was going to say uh, about the um like you mentioned the church scene. Um and you kind of said like it's like a rejection of religion or um or faith uh, in a, in a way. You know, how she says, you know, it's a uh, she miscarried his faith. Um, in that scene when she's standing under the Jesus statue and she's whimpering, I feel like it's kind of like that's like her like lowest moment or something, and she's like just like uh, you know she's just like whimpering for help, and then she keeps whimpering louder, and it's like there's it's like there's nothing there, you know, it's like there's nothing to help her there. Um, I don't know. Um, I need to fucking buy this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have it downloaded, so I just rewatch like. I per- downloaded yeah. too. So I mean, technically I own it, but I want to own a fucking physical copy. Yeah, yeah. That feeling's just different. That feeling's yeah. just different. Yeah. That that'd be so cool. I want to gr- get the Criterion for. I mean, it makes me so sad. This movie dude, doesn't have any like Criterion or any like public. You know, I I feel like this deserves a Criterion, man. It deserves something. This shit is fire. Like this. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I if know. you can give Criterion to like a bunch of other like modern films, like come on, you can give it to this. I'm cool. so confused. Why is there a two disc and one disc version of this? Oh, on Criterion, on where the Blu-ray, oh, like. Okay. I'm looking on Amazon. Fucking seventy dollars for the Blu-ray. I got it for like forty-five on eBay of possession. I mean, that's okay. Here, hold on. Fucking shout out that Blu-ray. It's fucking epic. Heard there's like a shit. I'm almost out of vodka. Fuck. What the fuck? How did I drink all this in like a week? Ah, sorry. Um. Do drugs. Stay out of school, kids. Yes. (laughs) I approve this message. Um. Fuck. I just. I was. I don't know. I'm just saying, I need to find a fucking way to, like, physically own this fucking movie. Yeah, the modern Blu-ray I got of it is fucking great. I mean, it looks great, you know, it's got some good bonus features. Um, so, was there more people want to say about position? I don't know. I feel like, honestly, we could probably go on and on and fucking find more and more to talk about. It's kind of hard to just pin down one fucking interpretation of this thing. Yeah, that's what I love about it. There's just so much there. It's kind of like we talked about in the Shining episode, how there's like, there's so much in that, there's so much to that film that's hard to just like say, you know, you can't just watch like an ending explained video and be like, oh, this is what this movie's about. Possession is about this. Okay, Mm -hmm. there we have it. No, Uh, which is just great. I think a lot of great art uh, is complex like this, you know, and a lot of my favorite films are like this where I don't even fully understand it, but yeah. Um, I want to point out, I, I did write, um, I just found these notes I took last time I watched it, um, and it was notes that of stuff that I wanted to bring up in the last episode that I forgot to bring up. Um, there's a line that Anna says to Heinrich uh, when he goes to the apartment after he sees like uh, the creature and stuff. She's like, um, uh, what is it? Um, you're just like everyone, and everyone is the same like insects, like meat. <laughs> I don't know. Something about that, that line. I, I really like that. Um, also, the um, score. I didn't bring that up last episode. The score is really interesting. It's like used sparingly, but it's really effective when it's there. Like, there's a few scenes where the score is really um, like prominent in the scene. Uh, kind of like when um, when uh, I think it's when Mark is looking at the dead, the drowned dog. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You just hear that music. It's so great. I love that scene. I love that scene. And then the yeah. guy comes, starts talking to him. Yeah. And yeah. that scene is just so weird. It's like, yeah, and Mark explains to him about his dog. I wanted to see what it what it was that had made him crawl under there. Yeah. Right, when he he was about to die. I mean, some of the stuff in this movie is just so, I mean, it's just so creepy and, yeah. It, was, it makes zero sense. Doesn't he say something like, um, oh, um, what is it? Something like, God is still there uh, under the porch with my dog. Or something like that, like, uh, like that's kind of where he left his, you know, talking more about the religious aspect of the film, uh, like, that's where he left his, like, his faith, or, like, his, um, uh, you know, there with his dead dog, where it's, like, there's, like, nothing there. I don't know, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting, it's such a complex, like, layered film. It's like an onion. Yeah. <laughs> what? are we snack? What are we, some kind of Shrek? <laughs> Shrek episode when? <laughs> Shrek. I mean, honestly, Shrek 2 is fucking banging. 
Yeah, I like the first two. The rest suck. Yeah, that's the general consensus. Actually, I only saw it once, but I didn't mind the Puss in Boots movie when I fucking saw it. I haven't seen it. I watched. I believe it had like. Yeah, it had a good fucking. uh, It's got an eighty-six Rotten Tomatoes. So. Yeah, you know what's um. You know what's funny is like I I I, sorry I hadn't watched that movie Shrek. I was just like it's such a meme. I thought like you know what I bet it sucks. You know, okay. I was like, I bet Shrek is fucking terrible, and people just watch it and, and like rate it ten out of ten because it's a meme. So like, mm-hmm. I, I um, I'm a big fan of the um the podcast Sardonicast. Um, if you know that with like YMS and stuff, uh, that's like probably my favorite podcast. It actually inspired me to you know start this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and they did an episode on it, so I was like, you know what, I'm finally watching fucking Shrek, and like I actually enjoyed it. Uh, so shout out Sardonicast, I guess. Actually, you know, funny coincidence. Um. I didn't even think of this. Um, Sardonicast, their next episode, they're talking about possession <laughs> on Monday. So, like, oh. when I put this out, uh, I wonder what they're going to say about it. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have a, a, a more, um, uh, better interpretation. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on. Going on and on. <clears throat> um, Shrek 2 is also fucking good as fuck. Cause it's yeah. Like, yeah, Shrek 2 is good. It's fun. Uh, what was I going to say? It's... Um, it's it's like strangely adult in the way it handles the satire. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's almost not a movie for kids. I mean, kids could watch it, but it's it's got a lot of uh, a lot I mean, of adult humor in there. Or it's I don't know. Testament yeah. to how fucking quality of a film is. It appeals to all age. Is that's I think a good uh, Do indicator of the quality of a film. Do you ever see that thing where it's like, ah, oh, what is it? The three wolves or whatever? What's a fucking fairy tale story? Sorry, I'm, I'm like kind of maybe not being coherent. No, what's that fucking that thing where there's like some bitch goes into a thing and eats porridge? Oh, the fucking I know what you're talking about. Anyway, there's like a, some kind of fucking creature. It's like a bear or a wolf or some shit. I don't Order remember. That. Goldilocks. Is it bears? Three bears? Yeah, it's bears. It's anyway, there's bears. like the three, you know, in Shrek, there's like different like fantasy characters. There's like the three bears and like, you know, fucking little, what Dark the fuck is that little fuck, fucker's name that's like gathering all the fantasy characters? In Shrek. Um, the first one? Yeah. Farquad. Farquad. Fuckwad. Yeah, Farquad. Lord Fuckwad. Um, he's like, he captures them all and then like you see like Two of the bears and like the little oh, one is like crying, and then it's like later in Farquad in Farquad's um in his in his bedroom you see like like Mama Bear is she she like got turned into a rock <laughs> <laughs> in that scene when like Farquad he's like he like gets a boner or some shit. What the fuck am I talking about? Sorry, oh, yeah. uh, saying, have I'm, you seen I'm Shrek? Fucking <laughs> no, I no I haven't. I haven't. It's like it's pretty great. I like Shrek. Shrek's mm-hmm. fun. I, I mean, it, it used to come on television all the time. I, yeah. I was just lazy. I, I never... I just didn't find the character very, you know, pleasing to the eyes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, some of the animation is, like, kind of whack. But, like, it's fun. It's very fun. Anyway, back to possession. <laughs> um, uh, I got, like, two last notes that I'll bring up, and then we can go move on to questions, if, if that's what everyone else... Wants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the one thing I noticed was um, uh, Helen 
is um it's like kind of the i feel like it's a um you know she's a doppelganger uh, obviously the um you know the like final form of the the creature the monster uh it's like a doppelganger of mark with green eyes um which there's all kinds of interpretations of what that means but um helen is also like that but she seems a lot less um intimidating and she, you know she has that line where it's like where i come from you know uh evil is what does she say evil, evil is, is in the flesh yeah yeah and um you know, she she has that whole thing, and she says, like, um, uh, you know, Mark kind of has this thing where it's like, I'm at war against women. And she's like, no, women don't, don't have anything in common against anything in common except menstruation. And, um, but it's, it's almost like uh, when she says where I come from, that line almost implies that she, like, isn't human. Um, and, like, yeah. it says she has green eyes. It's like the creature, uh, you know, it's like Mark Stoppelganger. And, like, does that imply that, like, Helen was made in the same way the creature was? Um I don't know. That's, that's just so, so interesting. Like her character, and like you know, at the end when she's like she's on the one side of the door, and um, uh, you know, the doppelganger, Mars doppelganger, is on the other side. And, you know, the lights are like flashing, and it's like, oh yeah. Oh, actually, there's like I just thought of something. I always think of things like this when we talk about this movie. There's like something separating them. That's a you know, it's it's like a, a door or a wall. Yeah. It's like kind of like the Berlin Wall. Oh. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. Maybe um, Hel- okay, not maybe. Helen is just um, just what the octopus is. What yeah, what the octopus is for Anna, right? <clears throat> She's the same for Mark. Yeah. Right? I mean, of course, much better looking though. So. I mean, there's two doppelgangers <laughs> in the film. I think there's definitely something there. I'm just kind of I haven't connected the two yet. The one. Yeah, the one thing I really, I mean, the way I feel about the doppelganger is that it's a theory I really like or interpretation I really like is um how they're both, um, both Mark and Anna, they form new relationships, but they're still the same. You know, they're mm-hmm. still, they're the same people. It's going to like end the same. You know, it's like they form new relationships with different people, but it's, you know, they're still, the, you know, um. It's like they're the same people, you know, they're doppelgangers. So it's like that relationship will also end uh, horribly, I guess. Like, uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. That's just that's one way to look at it. Such an actually, like, actually underappreciated element that I, I think isn't mentioned enough. The fact that there's a certain point in the film where both a fucking, what's his name? Main character, Sam Nell's character. Mark? Mark and Heinrich. Um, they're like on the fucking they're they're allies. Mm. Huh. They both realize something's up with Anna. I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of movies that would just keep them arch enemies the entire fucking time. Yeah. Love their interactions together. I, I love when Mark yeah. and Heinrich are in the same scene. It's like they're like, you know, they obviously Mark doesn't like Heinrich and um but it's it's also like Heinrich's being kind of like flirty with yeah. Mark. I don't know. I just, I love those. Oh, yeah. And when he kills him, <laughs> you know, that whole scene when, yeah, when, um, <laughs> when, um, when Mark's like, he's kind of taunting Heinrich in the bathroom. Then yeah. he like just fucking cr- smashes his head in with the thing and like drowns him in the toilet. Uh, that whole scene is great. It's just, <laughs> oh, man. Is... So many great scenes in this. Yeah. Also when, when they're uh, the first time that he meets Heinrich, and Heinrich like kung fu's him like, oh, I like yeah he's, he like yeah, just like karate, like kung fu like yeah that's so good yeah 
Oh man. Uh, there are some funny moments in this. Like I brought up last episode when I talked about it. Like the scene when um uh they're in the uh like cafe and mm-hmm. um uh Mark gets like really mad and starts chasing Anna and then I was like the <laughs> <laughs> all the staff like comes out and dog piles him <laughs> yeah that, that's just i really just find funny. that really funny um, yeah he, he's like, like a... destroying all the tables and chairs at the staff yeah like, he's what's like, wrong with you bro yeah <laughs> uh i feel like there is like a dark comedy element even though it's like still very disturbing i feel like every scene is like very very dark but like there are like bits of dark comedy in it um yeah. my last note i just wanted to point out um i love that like last the like final like bloody kiss uh, between Mark and Anna. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it almost feels like, you, even in that late of a stage of their relationship, and it being, like, that fucked, you know, with them, like, laying there dead with, like, cops coming up and everything and the doppelgangers, uh, it's like they're still trying to hold it together and, like, hold on to each other. Uh, yeah. And, like, you know, then they both, like, kind of kill themselves because, like, Anna shoots herself and then uh, Mark, like, jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's all, all about all I got more to say about it. Like I said, I didn't really... Uh, I, I didn't rewatch it. I don't, I don't have like a, you know, I said a lot of what I wanted to say in, in the last time I talked about it. But um, yeah, I love this movie. It's still my favorite horror movie. Uh, it's still 10 out of 10 for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you there. My favorite mm. horror movie as well. No doubt about it. Nice. I, I, I was obsessed with it the first time I saw it. Like totally obsessed. Put it in my top four. I was like, okay, th- this is like the greatest shit ever. Right, and yeah, I still stand by that. I feel like it's it's you know it's a genius. It's a genius yeah. film. It's definitely in my top five. I would say. Mm. Mm. Of horror movies or all time? I mean, all time and horror movies. Nice. <sighs> um. Let's talk right. about being based. Uh. So now we're on to uh, the question segment of the podcast. Um where we answer your questions, all you great listeners who... Um, so if you want to ask your own questions, you know, leave them down below. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave them in the comments section. Or um, you know, if you're listening to it on Spotify, I'll leave a link down below to the YouTube channel. You can leave it there. Or if you want to, you can join a, a, uh, one of the Discord servers, Movies and More, or the Nerds of Film Street, which are both very nice-based movie servers with some great shit going on there. And you can ask uh, in the podcast uh, channel. Um, wait, is there a podcast channel on the films and films of Nerd Street? Fuck, Nerds of Film Street. Uh, not a podcast channel, I think. Yeah, you can just ping me. Ping, ping the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So starting off, uh, we got from an episode. Episode. Fuck it. Hell, I'm losing it. I'm, I need to edit the shit out of this. So we got the first question from Baldo. So shout out Baldo. What is the best film from directors Akira Kurosawa and Theo Angelopoulos? I think that's how you say it. Is it um, Angelopoulos? I'll go first because I won't have much to say in general <laughs> at all because I've only seen one fucking Kurosawa. Yeah, sadly, and, I've, I haven't seen any Theo Angelopoulos films yet. I, I really mm-hmm. need to get on those. They've been on my watch list for a long time. But um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any from him, so I can't really answer that part of the question. All right, seeing... Uh, I've seen only one Kurosawa, so I'll I'll just I I cannot answer that question. I've seen Rashomon, but the good thing about Rashomon is I had the opportunity of watching it in the theater, so that was a good experience. Oh. 
Yeah, the, the Japanese National Film like Theater uh, had an invite, so mm. just got that. Otherwise, it's I can speak for Angelopoulos. I think he's my favorite director so far, along with you know the the stuff I've seen from Wong Kar Wai, and yeah. I would say his two. I would say his two best movies are The Weeping Meadow and Eternity in a Day. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I really want to see Attorney in the Day. I really want to see the Traveling Players, and I really want to see oh, Landscape yeah. in the Mist. Yeah, uh, those all look very great. But um, I love I'm sure Landscape love in the Mist. I've seen right? them put in like lists of like um, uh, best like slow cinema that like subgenre. Yeah. And I, I'm yeah. I find I'm kind of a fan of that subgenre from what I've seen. Uh, so yeah, I really need to get into his filmography. But um, yeah. you know, there's always new stuff to discover. There's always like new films mm-hmm. from new directors that are fucking keno as hell. So I need to fucking yeah. look into more uh, into Nini because mm. Blow Up forever. Ever since I fucking saw Blow Up, it has lived rent free in my fucking head. I can. It's. I need to see that. It's so fucking good. Um. As for mm-hmm. Kurosawa, um. Oh, sorry. Did you have more to say about uh, Angelopoulos? No, I mean nothing much. I, I just, I just feel like okay, like you know, people say that Landscape in the Mist and Eternity in a Day are usually his best films, right? Yeah. I, I feel like the the problem is the Weeping Meadow is really underrated. I mean, if you look at the ratings on Letterbox, it's the third highest rated film from him on Letterbox. Mm, Four point two, nice. Yeah, but the m- number of people who have seen the film, it's like 4,000. Damn. <laughs> so I, I just feel like, yeah, like that movie needs more recognition because I don't feel like it's much below Eternity in a Day. And for me personally, it's much better than Landscape in the Mist. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and even to, yeah, Mozart, <laughs> Mozart from uh, our server, he also said that he actually... I think if you ask him, he likes the Weeping Meta more than Eternity in a Day. So, hmm. yeah, it's it's just a very. Also, the thing about him, like his slow films, is it's not really, it doesn't really you know bore ever. To be honest, in my opinion, hmm. because of the way he uses these characters and their emotions, and the way he also uses music. So yeah, just just. The use of music in his films is awesome. You should definitely check him out. Yeah, I, I really need to get on that. <laughs> That's like, uh, I, there are some films and some filmmakers that I just haven't gotten to yet. But like, you know, there's mm-hmm. something fun about that. Just having something new to discover. Uh, yeah. As for Kurosawa, um, I would say my favorite from him is, he's got some great films. I, I've only seen a few. I've only seen like three or four. But um, I definitely say High and Low. I love High and Low. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I only watched it a couple weeks ago and I immediately bought the Criterion Blu-ray of it. It's like, it's honestly probably the best crime film I've seen. Um, uh-huh. It's like a fully, uh, you know, crime and police uh, type of thing. I mean, you know, there's other films where it's like, it's technically a crime film, like say Taxi Driver or something, but like, um, you know, it's like a fully like a crime and like, you know, police, police, eh, police procedural, eh, can't talk, police <laughs> procedural film. Uh, mm-hmm. I said that wrong, but um, you know that type of thing. It's by far the best that I've seen. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. I, I really want to revisit it, uh, even though I've only seen it a couple weeks ago for the first time. But um, yeah, just I I loved. Uh, also, Seven Samurai is great, and uh, your Jimbo is also really good, which we talked about on the podcast uh, on an earlier episode. 
Go Jimbo in Pierce, Texas. Suck it out. Yeah, boy. When you were high as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gotta watch Kurosawa, man. I gotta watch. I like. I live in Japan, and I haven't seen enough, most of his films. It's it's a travesty. Hmm. Yeah, I really want to see. Uh, I want to say Ran, but I'm pretty sure it's Ron. Yeah, I really want to see that. I mm-hmm. want to see that. I want to see Rashomon. I want to see um, James. Because what? What, what James? Yeah, that looks great. That looks really good, actually. Yeah. Oh, Akiru. That's all. That's another one. That's such an amazing film. Oh, I mean, Akiru I, I is never great. Finished Akiru. I started it, never finished it. I don't know why. Yeah, Akiru. I, I guess a, I was that night and just fucking fell asleep. Such a sad film, but like, um, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, uh, is that all we gotta? To answer that question, or is there more? I think um, we answered it pretty well, right? Yeah. yeah. Next question. All right. Um, let me just take a shot of vodka real quick. Oh, that burns. <laughs> mm. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, from Van. So, shout out. <coughs> shout out Van. Always giving them some Kino questions. Who would you most like to vanish? <laughs> <laughs> um, people who don't like possession. <laughs> oh and people, yes, and people Based. who like the vanishing <laughs> remake more than the original. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, people who put water on cereal, unless they're poor and can't afford water. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Who would you like to vanish? Me and myself and I. I'm just kidding. Mm, um, same. Um, who would I like to vanish? Who would I benefit from vanishing? People who think they're superior because they watch art house movies. <laughs> uh, yes. And and people who think they're they're kinophiles because they watched The Dark Knight and all of Nolan and QT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, we've all been there though i mean yeah most of, of us course. anyway yeah. of course but we um, developed from that right yeah i mean, I mean hell i mean you know yeah, me yeah. For a- these these people being like oh i watched all of the imdb top 50 movies like bro that says nothing i watched okay, the like, godfather you know fucking oh yeah. i know true cinema but it's like you know those people i mean some people just stay at that forever but like other yeah. people, you know, that's just part of their, you know, growing in their cinema journey. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Who who do you want to vanish? I don't know. Fuck. Um, shoot. Most I'll go people on Twitter. Uh, Trader forty five. Because I I would just who the like fuck to is see that? Uh, Mr. Cheeto. You don't like Mr. Cheeto, the the fucking tiger thing? No, not that guy. The other guy. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, also another question from Van: um, If you could possess one person for a day, who would you choose? Really nice, uh, you know, using the word "vanish" and "possess" for this episode. Very, very oh. based of Van. Uh, we need to get Van on the podcast. Van on the podcast would rack up them high numbers. <laughs> anyway, who do you possess? That's a kind of a hard one. 
How would I present? What the fuck? Andrew <laughs> Callahan, because he has a based YouTube channel. <laughs> Andrew Callahan? Why does that name sound fucking familiar? Channel 5! Oh, wait, yeah. Well, I guess no breaks. Uh, that guy. I don't know. Who do you possess? Ted Bundy? Nice. What? He's, like, dead. Oh, I mean, I thought we could... Oh, like possess. <laughs> it doesn't matter if we can go to the past. Oh, like we can be anyone. Person. We can possess anyone yeah. at any time. Nice. Yeah, from the past, mm. yeah. The, I think that's what the question is, right? Cooper, uh, Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tarkovsky. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Just feel what it. See what it's like to be a real one. <laughs> um, what's like a good like someone from like a thousand years ago? Plato. Mm, yeah. Socrates. Aristotle, yeah. Socrates. I said that wrong. Th- Thomas Aquinas. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Um, Maybe like any like world leader, just to see what it's like, what a day in life is like. Mansa Musa, <laughs> richest man of all time. Being. Hmm. John Malkovich, just because I like the Matt movie. John Malkovich. Uh, Okay, got another question from Cordial Cordial Cajil. I always say that wrong. Cordial Cudgel? If you could resurrect one dead director to make a movie today with a large budget and full access to modern technology, who would it be? Hubo, because he, he, he was... He only made one Kino movie. That's like the second best, my second favorite movie. And then he killed himself. Um, mm. I would go with Kubrick to... He might have to live in misery, though. Mm. I'm going I'm with sad. Kubrick and Napoleon. As in Kubrick and his Napoleon movie. Mm. I want to see his Holocaust movie. Just... I think I'll make a movie about the Holocaust. I don't know. What about someone like Fritz Lang? Someone who was like, you know, made like very groundbreaking films back then. I wonder what they do with like today's technology. Let's let's throw it back to like fucking Hitchcock. I, I'd like to see a modern Hitchcock film. That would be very interesting. Yeah, Hitchcock would. Um, well. How about like D.W. Griffith? He can just make it something extremely racist and get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love that though. I'd yeah, love that. I'd watch it. Something, yeah, we'll watch it with all the all the homies like stream still, on server. We don't care if we get cancelled. We want to watch it. still need know. to see Birth of a Nation. I mean, I know I know it's reputation. I know it's like not, you know, some of the stuff in there, but um, yeah. I, I really want to see it. I know it's like a, you know, a Giant, huge piece of uh, film history. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. who else? Tarkovsky, obviously. I mean, yeah. I think the sacrifice is a great like send-off film. You know, obviously with like the end quote and stuff, and just how it's like, you know, it's a, kind of the end of his. Um, you know, because he died uh, of cancer, didn't he? Yeah. After that, um, but um, I, I'd love to see what Tarkovsky would make. You know, just because he's mm-hmm. such a, you know, fucking he's he's made such masterpieces. Um, yeah. Anything else that he would make, I'd watch. And like, especially today, that would be interesting. Buster mm-hmm. Keaton and Fellini. Oh, Fellini, yeah. What about Shinya Tsukamoto? Wait, he's dead. 
uh, I, I, I think so. I mean, is he alive? Wait, what? <laughs> is Sukumoto's dead? Hold up. I, I don't know. Wait, he's alive. I'm sure. Okay. He's, he's alive. What? Didn't he I don't know. A... He Wait. just made a film like two years ago. What are you, the fuck oh, are you really? talking about? <laughs> Bro, what? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, his last film, oh. Killing, came out in 2018. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> I've, yo, I have lost touch with reality. Oh, uh, but yeah, but I, I would also love to see, um, you know, bring him back from the dead and Tetsuo see what happens. Tetsuo the, the Iron Man. Oh, I uh, fucking love Tetsuo the Iron Man. Such uh, a... Fr- oh, man. Make that with, uh, with higher budget. No, fuck no. It's perfect with the budget it has. Like the way that, that film true. was made with that like, is true, the way yeah. he utilizes uh, stop motion is so fucking... I fucking love that film. I mean, just like on a technical level, that film was like amazing. I love the effects, man. We need to do a Tetsuo episode. I want to talk about the sequels, too. I haven't seen them, and I heard they get really bad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, am I being over-animated? 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 Overly animated? Sorry. Are you doing a fucking cartoon right now, sir? <laughs> I would do, like, Kurosawa or, like, anyone who would make, like, an epic. You know, someone who... Just to, like, I see what they would make today. Like, someone who would make, like, an epic film, you know, yeah. something like that. I think Kurosawa uh, would, yeah, sure. would be amazing. Yeah. Also, like, someone like Edward Yang, just because, like... You know, he made so many great films, and, like, I would just love to see what else he would make. Uh, but, like, who would yeah. be, like, someone, like, that was, like, restricted by their, um... Time? Their, you know, yeah, their time with, like, the effects and, like, what they had to use. Um, hmm. That's why I thought mm-hmm. of Fritz Lang, because, like, I watched that film M, and, like, the stuff that that achieved being from, like, what was it, the 30s? Like, mm-hmm. fuck, maybe it was even earlier. Was that from the 20s? What was M from? Anything nine, nine, 1931, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, imagine if, like, Fritz Lang came now. He came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine if he, like, was now and, like, he did something that's for right now. You know? Because, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. You never know. He'd probably I mean, be hated on because fucking... He'd be extremely racist. The <laughs> internet. I'm just saying, like... If any of these fucking directors were like alive and making films right now, or like being up and co- like if they were making their first fucking movies, I, I, the internet would be like, fucking split. Shitting on them. Yeah. Yeah. Were, a lot of a lot of great films were like booed. Like Taxi Driver was booed at Cannes, and like fucking like The Shining was like, oh, it's like kind of bad when it came out. So like the thing uh, was a fucking bomb. The thing bombed. Like straight up. That's the one I don't get, cause like I don't see what's like bad about that film. Like, what's it? It's not like there's something that's like, oh, the deep message of it wasn't found till years later. It's like that's like a great film. I don't see why people would like hate it when it came out or like didn't like it. It was just like I don't think it was critically bombed. I think it was like audiences, odd fucking normies. Didn't really become a classic until like maybe the late eighties. I don't know. You haven't mm-hmm. truly seen the thing until you've seen it on a big screen. Fuck it's just saying. Good. It's oh, it's so great on a like a theater screen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. All right, should we get on to the next qu- question or should we? Sure. Con- All right.
uh, from Ishu. So shout out Ishu. Uh, which movies? Which movie character's love interest would you like to play? Hmm. What? So I get to be the love. Isabella it? Johnny's fucking octopus. <laughs> I'll be your octopus or the octopuses. I I would. You know that that thing fucks. You know. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. Who would who would you pick? I don't. Um. I don't know. I think I have a pretty yeah. I think I have a pretty solid idea of that. Like I don't know. Erica Monica. from the piano teacher. <laughs> oh my god! No, please, no, no. Bro, she kind of kinky though, you know. Sorry, what were you saying? Monica Bellucci's uh, from How Much Do You Love Me? Mm, I haven't seen that, but Monica Bellucci, dope. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> Glenn from Weekend. Um, it's not a movie, but fucking the guy from you. That fuck oh. isn't he like a nut? It's like a fucking weirdo or something. I haven't seen that show. I don't fucking care. I get to smash Victoria Pedretti. <laughs> oh, you would be the guy from you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, I got it. Fucking Justine from Raw. <laughs> oh, oh my Bro, god. That, she's, like, she's like hot as fuck, but also like kinky, you know? Like She's gonna like try and like eat you while you're fucking, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Uh... This was a dangerous question to ask at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Is it 2? Uh... Fuck, it's 2.30. What the hell? Oh. Anyone got anything else? That was Tony Long question, from man. Happy Together. I'm just saying. Like, bro's oh. kind of hot. Hey, fucking all the like people that Tony Long smashed in 2046 because like Tony Long with that with that mustache. Oh my God, mm, yeah, just that, saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt about that. How about like Joe from Nymphomaniac? She seems like fun. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, I don't think I have any more. How about like everyone, every character from the Rules of Attraction? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that movie. All right. Uh, I think I'm like nearing my alcohol limit. <clears throat> we got one more question. Um, unless anyone has any other answers for that. No, I think we're done, right? All right, one more from W.A. Mozart. Shout out, Mozart. You already got a shout out earlier. Uh, why is this podcast so based? Because we're ballsy. We don't take no shit from no one. <laughs> like, like Arnold said. Um, Arnold. I don't know. We're just, we're just Sigmas, you know? This is our... This is our... We're packing Schmeet and we're ready to skate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, isn't Schmeet like small penis? What? <laughs> what? It's like she meat, isn't it? No, Schmeet. I, I don't know about that, bro. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, Wait, I am, I, am I retarded or is it seriously? I've, I've never heard that before. Schmeet? No, like I've Shmeet. never heard meat be used as she meat. Oh, a giga penis. Okay. Okay. No, wait. A below average penis, with one exception. If the Schmidt is attached to a Nolski, 
It refers to the penis so huge it changes the atmospheric pressure of any room it's in. What the fuck? A small yet not tiny penis, usually three inches or less. Not to be, com- not to, to be confused with Schmet. What the f- Okay. <laughs> what? Schmet. Okay. Okay. Alright. I don't know. Why is it based? What's the- Oh, hey. Sing. What's the most based horror movie? That was another question we got the other t- other day, and like we didn't get clear or that was another question we answered earlier on the podcast on a different episode. What would your answer for that be? What's the most based horror movie? I mean, I think we've answered that right. Possession. I don't think there's any. Martyrs is based. Mm, just saying. Oh, oh, oh! Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So that's about it for this episode. Oh, I just realized something. We didn't figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Um, <laughs> we... Oh, yeah, I said the wrestler and Black Swan. I don't know if you want to do that, though. Mm, I'd rather, like, wait and maybe do, like, a Aronofsky full filmography at some point. I mean... Like, I would love to talk about all his films. So, like, I hate to do, like, separate episodes on, like, his films, like, separately. Like, do a Requiem for a Dream, and then do a Black Swan, and then do a Wrestler, and then do a Pie. Thing, if we do that for every director, we're never going to be able to talk about anything. Well, I don't know. I feel like that would be a good one to do, because, like, he only has, like, eight movies, doesn't he? I don't know. I've only fucking... He's not like a fucking, like, Takashi Miike, where he has, like, 200 (laughs) movies. Um... (laughs) So, like, I don't know. I feel like that would be a good one to kind of save. Um, you know, because, like, I, I do want to start doing uh, director full filmography episodes. Um, but, but like, yeah, I hate to talk about too many other films if we're going to do that. Um, you know um, what? We can just, we we just leave it up in the air. I feel like that might be making people not listen as much because our ratings have gone down, or our plays have gone down. I'll edit this out. Never show weakness. Okay. Um, shit, should we figure it out right now, or should we just, like, hmm. Um, uh, we should probably end the recording so we have it safe. Hey, I just thought something. We could do, like, a Safety Brothers episode. Talk about, like, Good Time Uncut Gems, because I, I pre-ordered the Criterion 4K Uncut of Uncut Gems. Yet. So, I think they're both on Netflix. Fuck, yeah, let's do that. Okay, sounds good to me. So next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some uh, Safety Brothers movies. We're going to be talking about uh, Good Time and Uncut Gems. And I'll but, probably yeah, I'll probably rewatch the other two uh, Safety Brothers films, um, Day Long Legs and what the fuck is that one called? Um, Heaven knows what. Uh, just for the sake of it, just to kind of get those in. Uh, but yeah. Good time and Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems coming out on 4K Criterion, like, in a couple days. So that's cool. I pre-ordered it, so. Anyway, uh, that's that's it for the episode. Uh, that was great, yeah. Uh, thanks, Sing, for coming on. That really, really made the episode cool. Um, and it was great. Yeah, really. I think we got some really good discussion. We've been talking for over two hours. That's um, one of the better episodes. Yeah, fuck yeah. A pleasure. Uh, yeah, so if you'd ever like to come on for any other movies, you know, maybe if we ever talk about, like, some well, another one of your favorites, or if you just want to come on. Theo uh, Angelopoulos films. Yeah, Theo Angelopoulos full filmography episode when? 
just waiting for you all to watch it. No? Fuck yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, see you next week. All right, now someone say something funny. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> cheese? Cheese? That's it? I don't, I, cheese. You literally either say cheese, beans, or penis at the end of every episode. Say something <laughs> new. Fucking... Keep it 55th Street. Yeah, keep it 55th Street, Custer. <laughs> <laughs>